0: Here in the Tech Emergence podcast, we've spoken a few times about the topic of computer vision or machine vision. Uh, notably, recently, earlier this year with Dr. Erfan Issa of Georgia Tech. Uh, but we haven't covered very much about machine vision in the industry applications. And there might be very few better business applications of machine vision than that of Shutterstock. Shutterstock is a rather large stock photography company. Uh, And we speak today with Nathan Nathan Hurst, who's been with Shutterstock for a little bit over two years, previously with big companies like Google and Amazon and Adobe, Uh, and we speak about the business applications of machines that can see. Uh, What does it mean and what can customers and companies do now that we can make sense of images? Nathan speaks about the developments over the last 5 to 10 years and what he's seen as some of the most exciting developments and where he thinks the industry is going and what might be possible in the coming years. If you're interested in how computers can see and what that means for business, this should be an interesting interview uh, to stay tuned with. So without further ado, Nathan Hurst at Shutterstock. So, Nathan, the first question I'd like to go into, you've been with Shutterstock for a number of years now, um, working in the machine vision space, obviously quite an exciting space over the last 10 years. What have you seen as sort of the most important developments that have kind of moved the application of machine vision forward uh, since you've been involved in it?
1: So it's been a very exciting time in computer vision space. Uh, One of the things that's noteworthy is the fact that until very recently, it was not possible for computer vision systems to, to really get a, a semantic, that is to say, a human-level understanding of pictures. Now, we're still a long way from actually what a, a human can understand from a picture, but in in the last five years or so, we've gone from, yeah, it's kind of blue, to that's a cat, that's a dog, that's a Burmese, that's a Persian. Yeah. and that, that kind of distinction is, is tremendous for building stuff. Once you can build a system which actually can look at a picture and understand what it's looking at rather than just working with indirect information, it means that all of a sudden you've got these applications which in the past were really very much dream. So if you look at the the history of understanding images, there's been a lot of research for many years on on how you can do what's called information retrieval, looking for pictures by description and so on. It's almost invariably gone back to let's stick keywords on the thing, let's stick descriptions on the, the image. And of course, that doesn't work when you when you start to have very large numbers of images. It's expensive. It's error-prone. Um, and so in the last five years or so, we've gone from really not having much to offer beyond these are the same kind of color to actually being able to say these pictures have the same content. And once, once you can build a model that understands what content is in a picture, you can then start to link that to all sorts of other things. You can say... Uh, is this the same person? Are they wearing the same yeah. kind of clothes? You can obviously start to link to all sorts of other fascinating concepts. Uh, perhaps one thing you might want to do is you might want to write a description. So rather than having a person write a description, instead you actually have the computer write the description. And that's that's actually a practical thing to do today. It's, it's not um, at the level of a human describing it, but it's certainly at the level that you know, imagine a, a, a toddler or someone describing a picture. It's sort of at the, the picture book level of understanding. Mm. Uh, and that's just opened up a tremendous number of applications. And, and in fact, to give you an idea of how much of a change this has been, uh, uh, Andrew Carp- Andre Karpathy, who's one of the uh, lecturers at Stanford who's working in this space, recently produced a program specifically designed to help academics manage the number of new releases the new features that have come out in the the, uh, computer vision machine learning space. Mm -hmm. And that's just simply because there is so much stuff happening. People are coming with new ideas. People are thinking about how a, a computer can understand a picture, how it can draw a picture, how it can relate between concepts in a picture. Is the man standing or sitting? Is he on a bicycle? All these relationships are now things we can think about tackling. It's really opened up the doors to tremendous applications.
0: Yeah. And then I, we're going to get into those in, in, a, in a bit as well here. You know, I, I've seen some of the work on, you know, identifying, um, verbs in, in pictures, uh, you know, which, which, you know, like someone running or as you had said, yeah. sitting on a bicycle, but the, yep. these are, these are pretty robust and complex. You know, comparatively speaking, you know, you look back five, 10 years of, of what a machine or a computer could identify in an image. Um, you know, do you, do you think, That, uh, you know, do you think that within maybe the next five or ten, we'll be able to get, you know, far enough down that road where, you know, a a computer will be able to identify that's, you know, a a man sitting on a Harley Davidson, um, you know, overlooking a cliff, you know, and and, and have have significant legitimate reliability on such kind of a robust combination of nouns and verbs?
1: Oh, I think we're very close to that stage today. Fantastic. Um, The thing is that uh exactly what you expect the computer to understand is is very much based on on what it's seen and there's obviously lots of room for improvement there but at the same time the idea that we could work out which objects are in a picture and we could work out their relationships and describe them that is that is in fact completely achieved today there are there are people out there who have such programs
0: yeah and there's there's a uh, funny examples of kind of the the glitches and misconceptions of them, but they're, you know, like, like people there are, there are always errors, but obviously if you look at the progress, it's tremendous. Um, and, and for folks like you, I mean, shutterstock is not like kind of in the business of pictures. Shutterstock's whole business is pictures. Um, you you know, so for you folks, that's a big deal. Uh, that, that's not like a side benefit. That's the whole shebang where, where I could see, you know, from my seat. And of course you would have a better view, um, the applications for Shutterstock are people who want to see images of Janet Jackson or, you know, Bruce Willis or what have you, or, uh, uh, you know, Nelson Mandela, you know, and that instead of having them all having to be tagged Nelson Mandela, maybe we could just find pictures of him or, you know, backgrounds with, uh, you know, a lake or a river in them, you know, images with like a, a couple walking and in the background is a lake or a river to be able to have a machine that can that can understand that. And so a search query can now just not have to cobble together what's been tagged manually, but draw from what it believes the meaning of those words to be and, and be able to pull them together. That seems valuable. Finding similar images seems valuable, right? Like someone finds a great image of, um, uh, you know, w- w- let's say you run a martial arts school, you, run a, you find a great image of like a self-defense technique, and you just wanna, you want to find anything else that sort of represents that same kind of move because you want to make a new flyer or have a new background to your website. Um, then you could find a ton of pictures with people doing exactly the same thing that all seems valuable what other applications am I missing because I can imagine there's a lot that you folks do with pictures
1: well you're absolutely right about those um, and and to, to give some names the the idea of finding people is is more a part of our editorial search um, mm. whereas the uh, finding a, a background or a, an object would be would be more what we call the stock search and uh, each of those is very different domains. And so there's a lot of subtlety about making the search work well in each of them. When people look for people, they are often much more interested in, in the here and now. Uh, when they look for, for images, uh, stock photography or artistry or whatever, they're much more interested in capturing a certain idea. Um, and so, yes, certainly you'd want to build an engine which can, can understand the concepts that are being requested, but also you want it to be able to to uh, efficiently handle people uh, searching for people on a specific day, finding you know the exact picture of a person, both of those are interesting searches. And you mentioned similarity. In other directions, it, there's definitely lots of kinds of similarity. When I talk about I want a picture of a cat, do I care about what it's sitting on? Do I care about what kind of cat it is? Do I care whether it's sitting or standing? All of these are different directions of similarity, and so. Currently, our, our similar image um, offering can, tries to capture a sort of average similarity, the sort of uh, – what, what if you ask the person on the street, what are these two pictures are the closest, we would hope to get, to get that as a, a definition of similarity. But when they actually come to graphical designers, they often have very specific ideas in their head about what they're looking for in terms of similarity. And so one very important thing we were looking at is can we allow people to, to search for similarity in different directions? Some of those directions might be the the place, the mood of the image, the uh, coloring, all of these sorts of things. We can imagine different kinds of search that you explore the space around
0: any particular
1: Mm. picture. Uh, It's it's particularly interesting for reverse image search because in reverse image search, you you often want to find a picture which is similar to what you're looking for, but that captures different aspects of that picture. Extending the idea of, of similarities is, is certainly one area that we can we can go in. Um, of course, Showstock also has an editor, which is quite popular for more routine image editing. There's lots of applications where we can actually because we understand what are in pictures, we can actually use that to improve our editor. Hmm. And so there's there's a lot of a lot of things that are coming out of our research in uh, what we can give to the customer specifically when they're editing. So there's different directions we can go there. Yeah. Um, another area which is very important to us is international. One of the things that we have trouble with is of course, pictures might be labeled in English, but Japanese people would like to search in, Jap- search in Japanese. Currently we rely on, on uh, language translation. But if we understand what's in an image, then we understand what's an image in Japanese. And so we can search in Japanese and produce good results in Japanese. Uh-huh. um so there's a lot of interest in the um within the company in, in how we can actually do better quality international search so there's an application where computer vision's actually helping language
0: yeah and, and that's uh, obviously there's a a strong business imperative there because you 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 wouldn't want to exclude a certain nation from doing business with you if that's a a place where people are in the market for purchasing images um and as you had mentioned if you understand what's in the image uh then it doesn't matter if they're searching in Japanese, hypothetically, if, if it's the same meaning thereafter, you can draw that up uh, from your database. Is that something that you guys are presently working on, maybe f- uh, farther down the line than, than your present image similarity? Is that something kind of in the works?
1: Yeah, that's definitely in the works. Got it. Um, we've we've got some uh, really promising work there. So it's, it's, I think, at this stage, mostly a matter of engineering rather than
0: Development, which is pretty exciting. Nice. No, fantastic. Um, you had mentioned something about the editor. I, I'm particularly interested in uh, this domain of sort of machine learning and creative work. You had mentioned uh, machines identifying pictures, machines drawing, you know, the kind of research being done in this space. Um, there's an interesting NPR piece about uh, a team that had aimed to recreate a Rembrandt uh, by scanning all pictures of Rembrandt and uh, and training a machine on what a man was and what a hat was, and that they they wanted a man with a mustache who was about thirty five years old, wearing a hat with a black background, and had a machine painted in in the the style of Rembrandt. Um, and uh, and the results were were rather good. Uh, I was I think it, I think it, they actually th- they had it three D print sort of layers of paint or something along those lines. I forget exactly. Um, when you talk about your editor, are you are you referring to people being able to adjust the results that they get from, from editing images. So within Shutterstock, and I've never done this on your site, but within Shutterstock, they can you know dim certain colors or highlight certain colors or maybe uh, erase something or smudge something or make something faded or make something clear. Are, are you saying that machine learning might be able to play a role in um, giving them the result that they want from sort of accentuating images with editor or did you mean something else?
1: well there's there's a whole bunch of different things that are interesting. Um, and some of it comes back to just customer demand. like there are things which are very interesting to do. Painting a Rembrandt is a very interesting problem from an academic point of view. Uh, but it turns out most of our customers don't want Rembrandt painted. And so uh, things that are more um, direct needs for customers are often just modifications of existing images. Typically, people want to take an image of you know a cat sitting on the on a beach or something and uh you know perhaps slightly change the the content change the the what's called color grading um or remove or add elements to it and so the editor is more focused on that kind of market rather than yeah of course of course yeah. sophisticated image generation um but certainly there are, there are lots of things that we can do um, both from a, a search and from a modification point of view. So for search, for instance, um, one thing that would be really nice to be able to do is to just be able to find things that are relevant for your current project. If you're working on something, there are subtle changes in the way that something is lit in an image, which would be really nice if you could just say, I want to find an image which exactly captures the mood the I'm trying to build for this, this project um, so being able to quickly find related assets is is a very simple thing we can do that that lets you pull in more images quickly. Um, oh, got it into the editor. Yeah, exactly. Got it. Okay. Um, beyond that, obviously there are there are things like uh, being able to remove objects to to segment out objects from a picture and and let you cut a, a a person from an image either so that you can not have them in the picture or likewise take them out of the picture and use them in your own work. So. There's some interesting applications there, and and computer vision, you know, it it provides all sorts of fascinating ways that we can extend and and modify what we're working on.
0: Do you think in the future, Nathan, you'll be able to have folks type in uh, a command such as, "You know, or I'd like to, you know, remove this cat from this image just so I can use it separately. Can I cut this cat out or something? Or, you know, can I can I make the, uh, can I can I make the water?" more light blue when right now it kind of looks black in the background and, and be able to have some degree of understanding where if they want a tree removed or if they want a cat removed, where eventually some degree of even that, that sort of uh, creative editing work or, you know, I want this cat to look happy or I want this person to look happy or something like that. That, that sounds probably uh, a little bit more far off. Although I can imagine there are simple applications such as cutting out an image, which I know personally to be monotonous, um, that would be fantastic if we could train a machine to do. It. And I think there'd be business value. Is that still too far off as well? Or, or where do you think we are in that kind of, uh, continuum?
1: Oh, that's, that's a very good question. I think that the, the you know, amount of work that's going into understanding language, into understanding spoken command, I think that spoken interfaces is, is very much a near future thing. We, we've, we've already got, you know, various Siri and so on give us search from speech, but, uh, Driving, driving interface through speech is definitely practical. They're definitely very much, you know, the, the pieces are starting to fall in place. Uh, is that a useful thing to do? I don't know. I don't know whether I can describe the actions that I want to do to an image necessarily more precisely than I could do via other controls. Yeah. Probably yeah some yeah. kind of mix of those two things. If, if I want to select an object that I can describe easily, then absolutely that would be a fantastic interface. But sometimes you actually want to be able to point to the specific yep. part of the image that you want to change. So whether it's going to take over, whether everything is going to be just verbally driven or it's going to be some mix with touch or mouse or whatever, that's, that's an interesting question. I, I don't know where we're going to go with that. It's, it, sometimes things seem very natural and, and you build a, a UI around some particular interaction. You know, maybe we think the touch is a really great way to work with something and you build it and people don't like it.
0: <laughs> yeah. so, well,
1: so I think there's, you know, these ideas of natural language-driven interfaces definitely very much in the near future. Um how much of that's going to be helpful for specifically for our editor i I don't know that's yep. that's you know depends on the quality and how people respond to it yeah. but i I don't see any reason why uh spoken commands to to modify an image is is not you know, it feels like something that could happen very soon
0: yeah it it certainly does i mean in terms of the the you know the the hardware software kind of capacity. We're certainly not, you know, eons off from that one. I was just curious. Lastly, Nathan, I know we're coming up on time. I think this is a, an interesting question to ask a fellow like yourself who's worked at many uh, great companies uh, and and worked in the domain of artificial intelligence. Right now, I mean, we're talking about machine uh, vision. There's obviously myriad other applications of machine learning. Um, these are, you know, sometimes expensive experiments to, to go off on, you know, building some kind of machine learning or artificial intelligence uh, applications or functions. These things have to have some degree of business return on investment, but there there really isn't right now in this n- nascent field, despite the the very quick pace, any simple way to kind of compare between uh, a couple different machine learning platforms or uh, uh, solutions for machine vision uh, for this purpose or that purpose. Um, and, and so there's no kind of like Gartner report where you can see a quadrant and a chart and kind of pick or which application or which vendor are we going to go with here? How do smart executives uh, make those calls without really grounded, you know, quote-unquote, objective research in any way, shape, or form? How are people figuring out what's worth the money here? What's worth the allocation of smart people to build machine learning applications that are not cheap? How do you make those choices?
1: Well, I imagine that a significant part of it will just be watching what other people do. Shutterstock you know, so has made an investment in computer vision, and for us it's paid off very well. So, I imagine that our competitors are watching very closely um, and and how much further out from from the the uh in, image space you know that kind of investment you can, you know, how how much you can say that investment is worthwhile is is always going to be a a difficult call. but I imagine that any executive that's not thinking about the the impact of machine learning uh, at this stage is is definitely needs to to examine the state of the art fairly closely. Uh, lots of big companies are betting on machine learning and presumably they have smart people that think about this. Yeah. So sort of, again, watching what other people are doing, I think is one thing that, that people can do. Other than that, I think probably the easiest thing to do is to just find someone in the field and pay them money to look at the space and, and come back with options. That's certainly something that Shutterstock does well is is it uh, does keep a close eye on the state of the art. Um, we have all the technical leadership, Uh, We have people who are thinking about these problems and where they can invest. So, I imagine that uh, having having strong knowledge of the space, having people actually paying attention to what's going on in academia, I think is going to be very helpful. Uh, And I imagine in the medium term there will be people producing reports, as you say, that will actually look at the technologies available. And and there are a lot of technologies available. People are building stuff so fast that you know just the list of of uh, deep learning technology itself is is actually a significant uh, document.
0: Yeah, it's w- it's wild how much is out there. You had mentioned sort of one way of potentially cracking that nut, which is um, having having folks who are sort of dedicated to keeping a finger on the pulse in the industry and in academia, etc., who can then pool options. Obviously, that would be somebody with enough of possibly a, a, a science background to some degree where they can kind of evaluate. And determine, you know, what are the reasonable options. I think some companies maybe fall flat when they have folks that really have no grounding at all in the technology or, or what's available, and are trying to pick among options, and it becomes a little bit more like roulette. Um, I guess what you're saying is folks that can kind of be a concierge into that space and present um, the breakthroughs, the the you know whether it b- a breakthrough in a, co- a competitor or in the academic space, and sort of present a pooled number of those options. Uh, to sort of help people work on uh, to keep you from, I guess, getting overwhelmed by the deluge. Right. Cool. Yeah.
1: And that, that's that's exactly right. I think there's a there's a definite need in the industry to have some some of that that filtering and analysis. And I think that that it's definitely worthwhile. Any company of a certain size is, is you know, really needs to have some some local people thinking about what the applications
0: might be. Cool. Um, well, that is literally all we got for time, Nathan. but We got to cover everything that I wanted to. I want to thank you a ton for being able to share your insights here on Tech Emergence. Well, thank you then. Well, that wraps up today's episode here on the Tech Emergence Podcast, and thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to stay in touch with our latest interviews with C level executives, top researchers, and thinkers in the domains of AI and the intersection of technology and intelligence, then make sure to subscribe here on iTunes. Or visit us on our main website at techemergence.com, where you can see all of our interviews broken down by category, as well as articles, news, market research, and trends in artificial intelligence. If you found this episode particularly thought-provoking, feel free to leave your thoughts in a review here on iTunes, or you can feel free to reach out to us at our main website. Thanks, as always, for tuning in, and I'll catch you next week.